Hello everyone, this is Kushal Ashok from San Jose McHenry Convention Center and we are at the West Inn Hotel right next to it. So today I have a guest with me, Mr. Alex, is very well known for the interview guide. I follow it personally and he has a lot of tips for us. So let's start by introducing yourself. Maybe Alex, you could tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, yeah, uh, my name is Alex Bush. I am a iOS developer primarily. I've been doing it for quite a number of years, I think eight at this point. And uh, I'm a host of Inside iOS Dev podcast and uh, author of iOS Interview Guide. So I guess, you know, I've been around the block. Yeah. And today I'm uh, meeting everyone, at whoever I can, at uh, WWDC. And I'm uh, pretty excited this year about the announcements this year. Mm -hmm. So what would be your favorite announcement if you consider the keynote or platforms of the union? Ooh, favorite. If I have to pick one, I would say Marzipan Catalyst. Yeah. Catalyst, right. So that is definitely kind of my favorite in the sense that this project actually came to be. And we do get to, well, have more cross-platform development more facilitated, if you will, I guess, hence the name Catalyst. Nowadays with Swift, right, and Swift UI and kind of the whole environment setup that Apple now gives us. Right. So if you think of Swift UI, do you compare it with something existing in the market or where do you think they got the inspiration from? Well, definitely, as far as I can tell, right, and well, I briefly glanced at the docs yesterday, right, that's basically the amount of knowledge I have of, about it, well, and uh, whatever they, they showed in the State of the Union. I would say it resembles a lot, it feels like it resembles a lot React, and React, JavaScript, React technology or framework or library, whatever they call it, but effectively, it's a conceptual approach to kind of rendering your UI with uh, upon state change, right? Functionally, if you will. So yeah, it resembles it a lot, sort of structurally, visually, looking at the code, and well, yeah, as far as I can tell, kind of that's how it works, because they have state property there, and they trigger changes upon the state change, and re-render only certain parts that are supposed to re-render, things like that. Yeah, exactly. I, because I, I did try a few things in React Native and state management and all does seem to ring a bell over there. So I believe if you think about it, like when we started, I started off with Objective-C and today most of us are working on Swift. And if you think about it in terms of JavaScript developers, it might be easier for them to switch to Swift UI because like you said, it has certain resemblance over there uh, rather than Swift. And However, there are people working in Objective-C. So what do you think of comparing these three paradigms? Like, hmm, Good question. And I, I think you're right. I actually haven't thought of that sort of the benefit of having React model, but in Swift so that JavaScript people who are familiar with React can actually switch. Yeah, maybe. Well, they obviously have to learn Swift and do that. But that's it from my perspective languages don't matter as much per se rather than the frameworks and overall technologies and design patterns that you use uh, and knowledge of those I would say yeah I mean from my perspective I also worked with Objective-C back in the day especially I would say Objective-C is very permissive and runtime dynamically changeable 
Swift is very strict and slaps you on your wrists, right? <laughs> and kind of guides you through compile time, war uh, not warnings, but compile errors. And JavaScript is, well, yeah, I guess it's also permissive, but not as much as Objective-C, and it doesn't have any compilation step whatsoever. So sort of, in my opinion, I'm very biased. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of JavaScript, full disclosure. It kind of gets a short end of the stick on the both sides of it, unfortunately, as far as I can tell. So this is why I'm, um, I'm happy that, well, Swift UI gives us this reactive paradigm because it seems like a lot of UI developments go in that way, just in general in software world, and that might facilitate things for us, right, on, on the Apple technology side, right? And also it, it being cross-platform now with iOS, well, new iPad OS, we'll, we'll see what that is, and, and Mac, that definitely helps a lot. Right, right. Yeah, makes sense. And uh, so in terms of interview guide, do you still cover Objective-C or you focus only on Swift uh, to help people? Actually, I do. And uh, I mean, the, the originally I wrote the book probably a couple of years ago now, and I updated it a few times since then. And well, now I have to update it again for all the new goodies. But yeah, I intentionally covered both because at the time, uh, at least places I worked at, they were kind of using both at the same time or in transition or having like all the legacy and uh, code and Objective-C and all the new stuff written in Swift. So you had to still know both to be effective and efficient iOS developer specifically. These days I see less and less of Objective-C. I still think people, developers should learn it if nothing else, I mean, always learning a new language or another language broadens your horizons, right? And kind of gives you a better perspective on things. And maybe you will actually appreciate more dynamic languages, right? If you know Objective-C, like I start to love Ruby right after I learned Objective-C because Ruby was even more permissive and dynamic, right? But Swift is the, I guess, king today. So we're we're all going there. I guess you don't really have to anymore. No Objective-C, but it's very helpful. So I believe in your experience, do they still ask questions more in terms of Objective-C? Like I remember even today for most of the interviews, people do talk about a bit about Objective-C, mm -hmm. right? I mean, cover the basics at least. So in your opinion, like people who have started off later, like after coming, after the Swift was already there, are they like you said, they, sh they must learn Objective-C or it's like an optional thing in the industry right now? Or I think, think? Uh, depends on the market, right? In the US, I have a feeling that that's sort of my anecdotal perspective uh, feeling. Swift dominates now and Objective-C is optional, good to have. In maybe other, although there are exceptions, some companies are still like, I know LinkedIn, they're like public about it and they're still on Objective-C and as far as I know, don't want to even move. They're like, screw that, we want our compile time or something, I don't know. But maybe other markets, I don't know, it's outside of the US, I'm not really familiar with, but maybe they're still on Objective-C, right? And maybe it's different over there and Objective-C is more primarily used, so maybe it makes more sense to know it. But uh, sort of from my perspective, it's like 
it's almost doesn't matter which one of them you know best because they're objective oriented languages anyway so there is not much difference between them except like syntax and maybe like well again objective c is a bit more dynamic so you have those features which you probably shouldn't use anyway dangerous uh, and swift is less so that's that's kind of it so in terms of market, like um, in China, I've noticed that there are many companies using uh, React Native and even for native developers, they tend to be still working on Objective-C, like you mentioned, even a big company like LinkedIn is doing that. So what do you think is the biggest roadblock here? Why do the companies don't want to move to Swift, even though there is compatibility, right? You can always create new modules and keep the old ones in Objective-C if you want to save some effort. It's a good question. I honestly don't know there I have some guesses I mean previously we had a performance issue right and especially on scale right if you have a lot of Swift code it would not compile as fast as we would like to and it's just simply productivity killer I mean I, I worked at Uber for quite a while and it's a large team huge code base we did have some compile issues and we still have, but it's not a showstopper, right? So it's still more, you get way more benefit out of strong type system and a Swift compiler that gives it to you than not having it with sort of Objective-C, right? And I, my guess is why companies don't move is sort of, it's this kind of balance to strike between your market of developers you can hire and the skill sets they have and the, well maybe you have way less swift people right so it doesn't make sense to fully demand that from your new hires so you kind of stick with uh, whoever you can pick and maybe in that regard some companies pick javascript right because there's just way more javascript people out there simply because the entire community is way larger right it doesn't make it necessarily uh, the best technology choice though but it's a pragmatic business choice sometimes right yeah, that makes complete sense and also from the perspective of developers from different country what kind of differences you notice like what i noticed in china is of course many people are still focusing on objective c they just i mean if i ask have you worked on swift they say i've just like played with the playground a little but not much they've not done a full-fledged project or something like that so have you noticed such kind of differences uh, specifically like in general from a specific country or i mean it's hard to say right i mean i i moved to the u.s probably like nine years ago so i'm originally from russia so i don't really know right and i don't interact as much with like de russian developers these days there is probably i would guess if there is a language barrier there is a delay and lag with translation Right, so like maybe people in India kind of having English as a, not even like a second language, but like a complementary, like English as a complementary language to the primary one, right? So in that sense, they're a bit ahead of the game maybe and don't require translation actually. But like in Russia, and I would imagine in China as well, they would, right? Unless the person knows English, but that's an overhead of, well, learning the actual human language, right? <laughs> So possibly it's that. So it's harder to find resources and information. And also probably market dynamics, again, 
same way companies ask about it for it less because there are not that many people who do know Swift, right? For example, and uh, yeah, it's catch twenty two, I guess, <laughs> situation. Right, right. I completely agree with that because even for WeChat, like uh, WeChat has its own apps inside, right? So if you want to do that, you need to learn their language, and the documentation is all in Mandarin. And even right. if I translate it, I can't really get what they're trying to say. So for me, it has been. I, I just enjoy using these apps in China on WeChat, but I've never. I did try to develop my own, mm -hmm. but I failed. So because of the language gap. So I I can see that happening with the developers in China when they want to move to Swift or Swift UI. So yeah, that's that makes sense. So other than this uh, switching languages and uh, trying to use the latest framework always, do you have any other tips for developers who are looking for a job or like interviewing with different companies? know your stuff <laughs> just uh, kind of the, the main thing uh interviewing is stressful and actually i'm myself in the midst of it right now i uh my gig with uber ended a couple of weeks ago so i'm back on the market but it sort of doing it again and again i'm, I'm primarily consulting the last several years i realized that the best sort of bulletproof quote-unquote way to be ready for interviews is to just know your stuff right know your well languages your technologies your frameworks that you're working with let's say in our case ios and uh, that's the best way to prepare it's like a 20 80 rule or 80 20 rule right know the what is it 20 percent of the 80 percent you might be asked things like that which basically means you can't really know ahead of time and be ready for everything that you'd be asked on interviews but in general, if you kind of broadly know what it takes to build the entire iOS application from the ground up, oh, okay, like, I don't know, not, not to get into specifics, but I need to know how to do networking in my app. I need to know how to store things to memory and to disk in my app because likely I'll need caching for modern app, right? Then I need to have some business logic layer and then ultimately some UI layer. At least sort of conceptually this four big parts if you know how to do them then you're like covered in general and then on top of that well how do i actually sort of deliver the app to app store because that's also involved process with all the certification and maybe continuous delivery continuous integration that you might have which now entails oh, okay unit testing likely probably should know that as well but that will give you the full scope right and yes you might not be ready for and know specific details of ar kit or av foundation right the specialized frameworks but then that's the 20 percent right that you don't really honestly need to know unless you're applying for a company that's heavy on video right then obviously they likely will look for a specialist who knows well things about video such as AV foundation so then you can kind of strategically well learn more of that maybe right and, and less of other things but if you're applying for like a general if you will iOS job then just know this overall how to ship an app and all the parts and you should be good to go awesome so you mean like basically we should also know the design pattern at least one design pattern should be very clear how to implement it right and is there any specific design pattern that you have been using in your apps or what do you like let's say 
if you have to categorize it broadly like it's single page simple application with mostly ui and then if we get more and more complex should we change the pattern accordingly something like that yeah the design patterns and architectures <laughs> that's a big topic i would say and i worked kind of throughout my career on various kinds of apps like the very small mvp projects and the very large well uber apps I would say at the end of the day, it's a question of scale, right? And on iOS, really, what scale means is not a number of users, like on the backend, right? You, backends, you usually would scale for, do I have 100 users or 100 million? And then I guess I have, need to have a different number of servers and balancing the requests there and all that operational shenanigan, I guess. For iOS, that doesn't matter because at the end of the day, your app has a, well, one user right the person who holds it or rather one instance of your app on a single phone has one user at a time so there is no not much issues with that there but the scale then means oh do you have one developer working on the app or a hundred developers and in big companies that that happens right so then maybe with one developer what apple preaches with mvc and mvc is the answer for everything yeah you can tell i'm biased uh, quote unquote love it uh, the mvc so maybe it's not always the answer right and as you grow well look at into other non-apple solutions design patterns and architectures at least start with mvvm then go to like mvp and maybe coordinators popular these days and well, the ultimate quote-unquote answer these days is something, one of the flavors of clean architecture. So it could be either Viper or Uber Reebs or one of those. I think there are a couple of more that are kind of getting popular. Those will probably, you would need them when you have, well, 50 and more people or maybe 20 and more actually developers because then it's unmanageable to for multiple people to keep changing same files you have to scope things up and split them up into kind of scoped concerns right and then you break down your entire mobile engineering organization into smaller teams and they work in their compartments and they don't step on each other's toes but in order to do that you need a architecture of some kind that facilitates that and clean architecture conceptually does it it's like well viper is one of the implementations of that, for example. Right. I mean, I did try Viper in one of the apps, but what challenge we faced that even though I can write it or maybe two developers can do it, but even after a bit of training, there are certain developers who may not follow it at certain times. So have you faced any such challenge in your experience or how did you fix that? Right. Yes. And that's sort of the reason why you wouldn't want to do it with a small team, right? Because the overhead of boilerplate structuring of the code that you'll have to do it might not make sense right it might take more time and be more annoying than than it helps and that's why it works for larger teams though what i found helps is actually vigorously linting the darn thing so you need some sort of either compile or linter or both constantly check well ideally at compile time but likely more feasible at like commit of the pull request time 
force you to follow certain rules about it. So let's say if you're doing Uber ribs, then you probably want to be injecting things properly into your well, small scope, small ribs, right? Or you, you don't want to have your UI kit lick into interactors, right? Because interactors are business logic. So, and people sometimes just sort of want to get things done and they're not being uh, disciplined about it. But then for those cases, if you have a compiler that will check, okay, this certain type of file with, I don't know, roughly speaking, interactor in the name should not have import UI kit in it. And then it will not just let your PR commit go through. So things like that, right? And then people will be forced, if you will, <laughs> to, to fix it. But those are harder to do because sometimes they're, um, I mean, it's still a dumb text check. I think it's ultimately your team should be f enforcing that on each other, right? Through, well, code reviews. Right, right. Well, that's a good tip to use. Uh, people request checks. So that, that's definitely helpful. And in terms of the, let's say, JavaScript developers, they do tend to get full stack development down the line because they can use the same language different places. And now Swift also, we have been listening to news about, you know, Vapor is doing it, and maybe Apple will also announce something soon about doing it on server side. Mm -hmm. So what do you think of app, like iOS developers today? Do you think in future we could all be full stack developers using <laughs> Swift? So I, uh, that's, that's a very good question because I, uh, I have different perspectives on it. Sort of my architect slash developer perspective and the business perspective, right? I would say from the architect developer perspective, I'm not that fond of it. I'm afraid we're going to be in this mess just like JavaScript in eventually. But we probably, yes, likely now can do full stack, well, I guess everything except the website itself. Well, sorry, except the, whatever the JavaScript does in the script tag. Like we can run Swift there, but everything else we can. With, with Vapor or similar server-side Swift, we can actually have a full-on, not just API server written in Swift, but maybe HTML page template page web application again written in Swift so we're covered basically we're replacing cake PHP's and Ruby on rails of the world so that that's great then we can do iOS obviously we can do iPad we can do Mac watchOS all of those right so in that regard you have full stack and even more except unfortunately no Android yet although Kotlin native might actually get us there maybe someday but then Again, still, as a developer, I'm afraid it's going to be so messy. And I'd rather pick the right technology for the right problem, right? And maybe, I don't know, maybe a Go server or Java server application for API is actually better, depending on your use case. And then you have your Swift for the iOS and Mac only, right? Maybe it doesn't make sense to have Swift on the back end. But... Developers tend to stick with one language for some reason and just kind of use it everywhere. That's not thrilled as a dev. But as a, from the business perspective, that's awesome. Because then, you know, when I'm running a business and I'm hiring developers, that's way easier now. So like, I can just have 
roughly speaking, one guy do it all or one team do it all, and maybe I only don't have don't get to have the little scripts on the web page, but that's pretty much it. So that's amazing. That makes it, first of all, more flexible, easier to hire people, and there is this big organization behind it. And I know there is, let's say, Facebook behind React. But Facebook's not behind JavaScript. Apple is behind Swift, so that thing's going to be continue to develop and improve and so on. So that's amazing. And also, actually, now that means that Swift skill set, if you will, is more competitive with JavaScript itself. So that means I have more ammo talking to business stakeholders to push back on oh let's bring react native people no, no. <laughs> we have swift guys they can do all of it now and just give them some time and maybe you have way more benefits of doing it that way because you have a compiler that checks things and it's less error prone you need it's easier to build that way so that's kind of two perspectives i have i, I love it and i hate it at the same time <laughs> But what about Android? Like, okay, you can convince them about performance and a lot of other benefits that Swift brings. But one thing that they can always throw at you is that you can't do the Android part and we are investing like double amount of the engineering effort technically. Like maybe it's less compared to what you might actually do with React Native because you might face some blockers. But in in hindsight, they feel like, okay, I will save a lot of engineering effort. So do you, have you ever faced such kind of a discussion with any of the stakeholders? Yes, and that's a common argument back, and it was hard to um, sort of dodge, if you will, before, and it's um, mm. yeah, it's a tough one to kind of counter, but easier now, not with today's announcement, although today's and yesterday's announcements help, but WWDC, but also, actually, about six months, maybe a bit more now ago. Airbnbs published a series of articles. They were huge on React Native, but they published a series of articles explaining from the technical perspective, from the organizational perspective, from the business perspective, why they are ditching React Native and why it doesn't work and all the problems they had with updating to the new version of uh, React and all the migration issues there where no one really supports it again, right? And now, yeah, you save time on the original dash of your MVP release, but in the long run, your long marathon of business that you're building, you're losing because now your developers are wasting time fixing that framework that just got updated, right? So things like that, sort of arguments that I make, I basically refer to that, those articles and Airbnb's experience there. That's, yeah, that's kind of, overall it awesome awesome so uh, where can people find you and uh, what all you're doing these days where can we find you and your uh, recent uh, you know, developments and things? so yeah you can find me on LinkedIn it's uh, Alex Bush you probably I'll, I'm somewhere there at the top of the results I don't remember the link or on Twitter it's Alex underscore V underscore Bush what I do these days I uh, host a podcast inside iOS dev there we talk about sort of things we talked here, like architecture, design patterns, everything around that, around iOS, right? So deep dive into those. Uh, And I also post iOS coding tips weekly. 
uh, on LinkedIn and Twitter, so you can you can check that out uh, usually every Tuesday. But I missed today because WWDC was too busy. Basically, it's like short, tweetable code snippets of some things helpful on iOS, right? So you, you can you can follow that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I do follow your Twitter and everything, and uh, I really enjoy those tips because uh, when you're going through your you know daily routine and then you look at something fresh and something that engages your mind that's really refreshing and really helpful so thanks a lot for your time and thanks a lot for sharing all these insights with us this really means a lot